The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Curious how many of you feel pain right now. Maybe not right in this moment, but during this season, you're feeling pain. And what are you using to treat the pain? I recognize that most of us, when we feel pain, we find a way to self-medicate. And some people's form of self-medicating is more socially acceptable than others, but that's at the heart of right now what's driving the opioid crisis in our nation, in our community, the heroin issue, the abuse of prescription medications like Oxycontin and Percocet, um, fentanyl abuse, right, is those are painkillers. And here's what research has said, that 75 to 80% of people who eventually get hooked on heroin started with a prescription painkiller, not an addiction, but they began to use prescription painkillers, and eventually they needed it more, and so they went out and got them when they no longer could get them from the doctor, and then eventually switched over to heroin. 75 to 80% of people on heroin right now, that's how they got hooked up, hooked on it, right? And, and the point is this, that we don't have, it's not a drug or it's not a heroin or an opioid crisis, it's a pain crisis. And maybe your drug of choice is, like I said, a little more socially acceptable. Maybe when you feel pain, you just self-medicate with, I don't know, thrill-seeking or eating or sex or you numb it with entertainment. You just mindlessly watch movies and Netflix until you can't consume any more, hoping that maybe at least for a few minutes you can zone out and check out and if you do that, kind of, you can let go of the pain for a little while. So as a result, here's what happens. You, you think about even what we've just walked through or what we're really still walking through um, as pain increased in our nation because of a pandemic, so did the abuse of pain killers. Uh, in fact, overdose deaths uh, as a result of opioids, jumped 133% uh, between April and June of this year compared to last year. And nationally, uh, overdoses jumped month by month. So if you started in March, uh, overdoses jumped 18% compared to the previous year. Then in April, it jumped to uh, from 18 to 29%. By May, it had jumped a 42% increase in overdoses in our region, so between Washington County and Franklin County, uh, drug overdoses have increased by 46% as a direct result of the pandemic. And, and so the issue, right, is that we feel pain and we don't have a good way to treat pain. We don't know how to deal with pain. And so what we do is we self-medicate or we numb it or we even prescribe a way to get through painful moments. And please know, I am not talking about this callously. Like, I almost wish I could just kind of bear my heart to you right now and you could kind of just hear 
and feel the compassion and the sincerity in my heart because I know that this is not a they problem. It's a me problem and a we problem because this hits close to home, right? Like this crisis, this is, like you could say it's their children. No, it's our children. You could say it's someone else's community. No, it's my community. It's our church. It's our friends. It's our neighbors. It's people that we love in our own families. And so this hurts deeply. And as I said, right, it's not just an opioid crisis or a drug crisis or an alcohol abuse crisis. Like it's, it's a crisis of pain in every one of our hearts. And every one of us have been stung, not just by someone else's addiction, but by our own addictive desires. Well, then what's the answer? Well, I'm going to say what you all expect me to say. Since you're either tuning in to church or you're listening to this message, you're joining us. Yep, tens of thousands of people gathered around Jesus because they saw Jesus as the answer to their pain. So let me disclaim it though. Their approach to Jesus was not what I'm going to talk about. They saw Jesus as a means to an end. Jesus was like the prescription pill. He was the hit. He was the means to the end. It wasn't that they, that they saw Jesus as the answer to their pain. They saw Jesus as a way to get to the answer to their pain. So you got tens of thousands of people that have gathered around Jesus because they saw Jesus as a capable king who could overthrow the Roman Empire, who was oppressing and abusing and mistreating them, who was, you know... Um, there was systemic injustice and abuses and poverty reigning in the nation of Israel. And so when they saw Jesus doing miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, when Jesus is feeding the hungry and talking about how God wants to bring justice over injustice and how God is bringing his kingdom among men. They had found their king and they saw Jesus as a means to establishing their kingdom here on earth. And so Jesus withdraws from the crowd, but the crowd follows, and their goal is to use Jesus to get what they want, but Jesus sits on a hillside, and he begins to teach them. He begins to teach them how you can really get what you want. His Sermon on the Mount is recorded by a guy named Matthew, an eyewitness to the life and teachings of Jesus. And uh, he captures this moment Jesus is teaching. Okay, so now you have the context. You got a lot of people experiencing a lot of pain and Jesus gives them this verse. Now, this is not, it's not the only thing he said. He taught a lot of things in this Sermon on the Mount, but this is the one that really applies to the issue of pain. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I feel like I need to say this. Too many people use the Bible and Bible verses like a pill like a hit. In fact, they'll even offer it to someone else. Oh, here's a quick Bible verse that will take away all your problems. Here's a Bible verse that will take away your addiction or will take away your pain or take away your grief. Jesus is not throwing this verse out like a prescription pill to medicate people's problems. His the, the words he spoke were not the answer to their pain. It was the application of Jesus' teaching that was the answer 
to their pain problem. His, his, his teaching is this, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What is he saying? He's saying, God will favor you when your hunger and your thirst is directed at wanting to do what's right and actually doing what is right. Then and only then will you be truly filled. Jesus is saying there is a, a right way of living and when you are hungry for that and when you want that more than anything else, then you'll begin to do that and that will fill you in such a way that nothing else can satisfy. In fact, the reality is that you and I have an insatiable thirst for a drink that doesn't exist in this life. We're hungry for food, so we for something to eat that we can't seem to get a bite of. We have desires inside of us that it doesn't seem that anything can satisfy. And so we keep looking and searching and biting and drinking and consuming, looking for that thing that will satisfy us. In fact, the uh, world-renowned famous author C.S. Lewis, uh, probably most well-known for his uh, Chronicles of Narnia child children's series, who's written many excellent books, he, he wrote it this way, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. C.S. Lewis is hitting at a core thing here. He goes, in essence, you could say it this way, part of what's driving our addictions, our insatiable thirst, is that the only way to satisfy it is something otherworldly, but we keep looking for something in this world to meet the need, and so we can never get enough, and so we consume and consume and consume, and so every one of us know exactly what it feels like to be addicted. So let me give you the takeaway from Jesus' teaching. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus' message, and I'm going to give you the meaning of it, and I'm going to help you apply it, would be this. The key point is, be satisfied by what is best. I want to challenge you, be satisfied by what is best. The reality is that every one of us have desires, but the answer to you being satisfied and filled is not necessarily satisfying those desires. Why? Because, you know, like, imagine your kids, imagine a child uh, at Halloween. Now, I don't even know if we're gonna, anybody's going to do trick-or-treating this year or not, but, you know, if they get all this candy, and then their desire is to eat all of that candy, is that what's best? And will that satisfy them? Sure, for a moment, it's going to, you know, fill them up. But really what it's going to do is it's going to make them sick to their stomach because their desire is not actually what's best for them. My kids, when they get tired, I can tell you what they say. They're crying and say, I don't want to go to bed. For whatever reason, they have a desire that doesn't match their need. And every one of us seem to have desires that don't match our needs. Because at the core of all of our desires and at the core of our addictions, we are using something to fill a deeper need. And
and no matter what you use, you will continue to treat a deeper problem, a deeper crisis, with a temporary, surface-level solution. And so if, if at the core you're feeling guilt, or you're feeling shame, or you're feeling regret, but you're using drugs or alcohol or entertainment or sex or uh, thrill-seeking to, to fill that to treat that deep need or that deep pain, it will never take away the guilt long enough. It will never take away the shame or the regret or the pain of this life long enough. And so what happens is our addictions, our desires that are broken, they reveal a deeper void. And at the core, that's what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying at the core, you and I have a deeper void, which is a spiritual void void, a spiritual emptiness. Every one of us need to be satisfied in God, and we have a spiritual void, but we go looking for answers everywhere else. And so Jesus is coming, and he's not just saying, uh, you know, blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He came to deal with our deep core issues, right? And so what Jesus does is he takes the shame and the guilt and the regret that drives all of those wrong desires, and then he takes the pain, the sin, the, the judgment, and the forever judgment, that's the end result of living those things out, and he puts it on himself so that he carries our shame, our guilt, our pain to the cross, that when Jesus died, he died once for all. He paid the penalty for our sin, for our judgment, and our forever judgment. He sets us free, but not only does he set us free, when we believe in Jesus by faith, we're forgiven, the guilt and shame removed. He rises from the dead, victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over forever judgment. And when you believe in Jesus by faith, his spirit comes into your spirit so that you have new and forever life and you have a transformed life because his spirit empowers you to live this new way. Imagine that. Now, I want to be really clear here. I, I've talked about addictions in the past, and so I feel like I've always got to disclaim when I'm teaching this, because initially, when I'm, when I'm teaching, you can hear it like I'm giving a quick pill to solve a deeper problem. I get that there are nuances to addictions. I get that there are nuances to the desires that you have that hurt you. Here is what I know. While... While saying yes to Jesus and believing in Jesus may not be the only answer, it is certainly the first answer. It may not be the only step, but it is the first step. Why? Because yes, while you might need to get into a treatment program or while you might need to get accountability for whatever the issue is in your life, you have to first treat the spiritual emptiness, the spiritual void. And until we treat the spiritual void, we can never treat the physical issues. So first, I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Now listen to me. What I'm saying is that the physical reveals the spiritual. When you are empty spiritually, you go looking for it 
physically, and you feel empty physically. When you are filled with shame and sin spiritually, you have desires physically that are unhealthy and broken in your life. You see, the, the physical reveals the spiritual. Now, the, the reverse is also true. When you are satisfied and filled in Jesus, when God's spirit lives in your spirit, he begins to transform you from the spiritual, and it begins to manifest in the physical. So I'm going to encourage you. It's not the only step, but the first step. It's not, it's not the only answer, but it is the first answer. And, and in fact, can I challenge you for a moment? Again, I feel like I need to disclaim this. Anybody who, when they're, when they're talking about issues like addictions or um, life-controlling habits or desires that are destructive in your life, if they have a quick fix answer, they're probably a snake oil salesman. Be very careful. If somebody's trying to use the Bible and they're trying to give you a quick verse and they're saying, here's a verse, this should fix your problems. Watch out, snake oil salesman. Do, is, am I saying that the Bible is not powerful and life-changing? It's not the Bible verse that's powerful and life-changing. It's the application of the Bible that is powerful and life-changing. The Bible is meant to be lived, not read. It's meant to be applied, not just learned, right? And so if somebody's giving you quick answers to deep issues, watch out. They might be a snake oil salesman. If a church comes along and they're saying, all you need is just this quick religious response, watch out, snake oil salesman, right? Because they're, they're creating a one-size-fits-all answer to deep, nuanced challenges in our life. However, the reverse is also true. If a counselor or a doctor comes along and they're saying to you, oh, this is just a chemical issue, or this is just an issue that we can diagnose, it's just a sickness issue, and they're giving you a one-size-fits-all answer like medication or surgery or whatever the answer is, a treatment program, and it, is, it doesn't deal with the spiritual and the emotional and the mental and the physical, snake oil salesman. Be careful. Okay, so now I've disclaimed it. My, let, me, let me then challenge you. If you want to take a first step, which is the most important step because it deals with the spiritual emptiness and the spiritual void that all of us feel, I wanna encourage you to begin by saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In fact, can I encourage all of you right now? I, I, would, I would hope that every one of you would not, that, that there was not one of you that would leave this moment without saying yes to Jesus. I, I'm almost begging you because I believe that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for the deep spiritual void that we feel. And he's the answer that because the spiritual void, when it's filled, begins to spread into our physical and into our mental and into our emotional. So you begin through faith in Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you, if you're making that decision, would you let us know? As you say yes to Jesus, would you text the name Jesus to 41411 and let us know so we can encourage you as you begin this new journey through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, not only those of you joining us online, but each of us at your cam our campuses, would you say yes to Jesus right now? Again, let us know. Text the name Jesus to 41411. Now, as you take this step, and you're acknowledging Jesus is not just a first step, but he is the, the, he is the one who heals the spiritual void in my life. Now what do I do? Well, remember, when, I, when I'm reading this, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And, and so a key here is what is the next step or what is the, the right step? It's that we have to, rec well, let me read it to you this way. Jesus is teaching, and, and he gives us a challenge. And at first, when you read, it, 
it's a little overwhelming. And I'm going to explain it to you. He goes like this. For I tell you that unless your righteousness, remember, he said you have to, you have to um, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then later in the sermon, he goes like this. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not inher- uh, enter the kingdom of heaven. It, there's a point to this. He's going, God's grace is what's best. That's the answer. What he's challenging us with as he's explaining how you've got to have a righteousness, a right way of living that is better than the best people on earth. What he's really driving home is that God's grace is best. God's grace is better than your best efforts. God's grace is better than you trying to do all of the right things. God's grace is better than you trying to earn your way to heaven because that's religion, it doesn't work. God's grace is better than any program, any treatment you can try to take because at first what God's grace does is God's grace gives us what is best, which begins the process of our healing and treating our pain problem. Let me explain it to you. When, when, when Jesus is teaching, so my, the application point is you understand that God's grace is best. And I said, you've got to want what's best. You got to desire what's best. So here, here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, so here's the deal. Your, your righteousness, what you're hungry and thirsting for, has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Well, you don't know who the Pharisees are, but let's just say they're the religious elite in Jesus' time. And they had all these teachings, and they did their best to live up to those teachings. So here's, here's what Jesus says next. He's explaining how our righteousness, the word righteousness means doing what is right in the eyes of God, doing what is best. So he, he, he's teaching about how our righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees. And he goes, so for example, the Pharisees say, you know, like they're teaching from the Bible that you, you should not murder. But Jesus is saying, do better than that. Don't stay angry with someone that you're angry with. Wow, that's hard. God's grace is best. He goes, it's not enough just to love your neighbor. You have to be willing to love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. What? He, he said, it's not enough just to not, you know, beat someone up. In fact, when they're, when they're um, insulting you, you got to be willing to offer vulnerability. When they're, when they're demanding something from you, serve them. When there's a disagreement between you and someone, be gentle. He, he goes, it's not enough just not to cheat on your spouse. You got to guard your heart so that you don't even look lustfully. At someone who's not your spouse. Now, you want to look lustfully at your spouse? Go ahead. Have at it. But not someone else. Right? See, Jesus changes. He raises the bar. Now, initially what that sounds like is Jesus is establishing an impossible uh, bar of what it means to do the right thing. But that's not what he's doing in his sermon. What he's doing is he's saying, you can never measure up to this level of perfection unless you've experienced God's grace. See, here's what he's saying. He goes, how are you possibly going to love your enemies? Because I loved you when you were an enemy against me. 
are you going to be faithful to your spouse? Because I was faithful to you when you were unfaithful. I said I would never leave you or forsake you. How, how, how can you be willing to let go of that anger? Well, because as God, I did not hold your wrongs against you. I absorbed the judgment. I absorbed the anger for you. See, what, what Jesus is saying is, receive God's grace, which empowers you to simply let what fills, what fills you up spill out of you, right? God's grace in you, God's righteousness in you begins to change how you live. So then you and I have to accept that, receive God's grace. And then we have to be willing to say, okay, now I need to be satisfied by God's grace. I need to acknowledge that God's grace is enough. Listen to me carefully. Here's what Jesus says. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Interestingly, he does not say, blessed are those who love God, for they will be satisfied. Interestingly, it's, it's righteousness that fills us, not just uh, God and his presence. He's saying, you've got to be willing to do the right thing. You have to be satisfied by God's grace. You have to recognize that, here's, here's the thing, I don't come to Jesus because of what Jesus can give me. Listen to me carefully. Some of you, you feel let down by church. You, let, you feel let down by your faith. You feel let down by Jesus because you thought that when you believed in Jesus, he would take away your problems. He would take away your pain. He would change the circumstances around you. He would give you the job you wanted, the car you wanted, the spouse you wanted, right? And, and that doesn't happen. Here's why. Because just like the crowd that came to Jesus to use him to get what they wanted, Jesus will not let you use him to get what you want because you think that what you want will satisfy you. Only Jesus satisfies, right? Jesus is enough. Jesus fills. So what happens is you, you can't use Jesus like another drug, like another uh, drug of choice, like using him to self-medicate your pain. While Jesus may not take away the difficult circumstances around you, he can certainly treat the pain in you, the pain of regret and the pain of, of shame because he forgives and he heals. He could take away the pain from your past because he forgives and he makes all things new. He can give you the love and the faithfulness and the joy and the strength that you need to face the challenges around you, right? And so I can be satisfied in Jesus so that then I can treat, I can deal with whatever appetites and addictions have taken hold of me. And through faith in Jesus Christ, I am both filled inside and freed from those strongholds. However, being freed from strongholds might require more than just a faith step. You might have to put action to it. In fact, that's what I want to challenge you with as a final challenge. And it's this. Share what's best by giving God's grace to others. <laughs> he said... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The idea of righteousness is that you have to do something. And what he's getting at is the answer for the, for the pain and the problems in the world around us is people who have received God's grace, giving God's grace. Some of you have been set free from addictions. You need to give that to someone else. 
You've been healed from the overwhelming pain of grief and loss. Well, you need to offer your healing to someone else. God has set you free from another life-controlling behavior or desire. You need to give that away, right? As we share what's best by giving God's grace to others, we become the response of God to the pain and the problems around us. We begin to bring hope and healing, and that's why so often, you know, we want to share the stories of someone who came in who was struggling with addictions, and it's not that church set them free, and and it's that they found a deep spiritual healing through faith in Jesus Christ. Then they were willing to take the next steps into sobriety or the next steps into recovery, right? They had to take next steps, but it began with saying yes to Jesus, receiving God's best, receiving God's grace, and then generously sharing that grace with others. This is why as a church and as a community of churches, we get involved in the great, greatest crises in our community because we believe that God offers the greatest hope, grace, to these crises. We believe that we can be part of the solution, not the only answer, but we can be a key answer. We can be the first answer, and so that's why we get involved. That's why I'll preach about issues of addiction and recovery. That's why I'll talk about you know, issues of strongholds and, and things in our life that have a grip on us because I believe that the first answer, the, the first step is faith in Jesus Christ, which fills that spiritual void. But then once that's filled, it begin, we begin to take steps necessary of living out, doing right, which begins to change us. By the way, if you're struggling, you're hearing this message. No, I don't want you to say yes to Jesus, but I want you to get into recovery. I want you to get a partner, a friend, somebody who can hold you accountable. Whatever that stronghold is, whatever that life-controlling habit is in your life, tell someone. Let them know. Say, I need help. There's, there is hope and there is healing. There is new life and forever life through Jesus Christ, but there's also a community of faith, and we support programs and agencies and other um, nonprofit organizations and groups that provide treatment and help and recovery because not only do you take that first step, but you need to get in a community, you need to get in a support program, you need to get in a recovery program so that then you can be truly set free from the lifestyle that is affecting you physically. So I want to encourage you, Would you not only receive God's grace, what's best, but recognize that that is the only thing that will ever satisfy you, and then be willing to share that with others. So we want to do right now. We just want to share that with you. So I want to take a moment. I want to pray over you. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to join me in this prayer wherever you are, wherever you're at right now in your pain struggle, whether you're behind a computer or a TV screen, You're with us right now in person. Now am I praying that God will heal your deepest inner pain, the spiritual crisis inside of you, but that you and I would be the response of God to the pain in the world around us. Jesus, thank you that you didn't just give us another prescription pill. You didn't just give us another program. You You didn't just give us another step. You came. You are the answer. You carried our pain, our shame, our guilt to the cross. You paid the penalty for our sin. You absorbed our death sentence and you set us free. And in your freedom and through your grace, we are filled 
and what fills spills. Help us to reflect that freedom. Help us to share your goodness and your love. Help us to be the light to the darkness of addiction. Help us to be, to bring the message of Jesus' hope to those that are suffering in despair. To be healing to the hurt in the world we live in. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.